0: I was a really young married guy i went to some training it was in rockford illinois it was for youth for christ there were like hundreds of people there and there was a guy there was a a dynamic speaker and it's a powerful christian leader whose name was jay kessler he was praying and he said something in his prayer that i have never forgotten he says lord thank you for marriage that's just one of your very best ideas ever (laughs) i thought that was great and I was the young married guy, and I was away from Lois one week I thought, "That's so true. Thank you for marriage. That's one of your best ideas ever." Lois agrees with that. She does, really. She does. Um, I, when I think about the church, I think, "Lord, thank you for church. That's one of your best ideas ever. Church like we know it, clusters of Jesus people, small, medium and large, are God's idea for our age. He looks down on our time. He looks at our age, he looks at what's going on in the world, and he says church is what they need, small, medium, and large, right? Little clusters of Jesus followers gathered here and there, medium-sized groups of Jesus, mega churches sometimes. The church is God's plan. And he gave us a really a, a simple and organic and clear and focused description of what it should be like in this Titus, we call it the little red book of church I love to, I, I love sports. I love to play sports. I'm just not good at it. And um, when I was young, I was, I thought I was good at it because I had younger brothers, seven and 10 years younger than me, and I could beat them at everything, you know. So, uh, but then I went to, to school and, and the school had an agreement with the Y in Chicago. And so I'd go down to the Y and I would think, let's just play some round ball. So if you go to the Y in Chicago to play basketball, you there are people there who know how to play basketball at the y in chicago i'm just telling you they're big people they're good they jump really high they always score i'm like how do you get in the game one time i'm like i said to a friend so how do you get in the game and the guy looks at me like (laughs) kind of like why would you want to be in the game and i was like uh he goes well uh, just, just pick up. Just pick up. You just go over there and stand. And they, they kind of cycle in, on and off, and they'll invite you in. I'm like, okay. So I remember going over there. People every once in a while would see me in high school, and I was a little bit taller than average, and they would say, you play basketball? And I would go, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, with my brothers, you know. And I'd go, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So, so I, go, <laughs> I would go over there and stand. You know, I said there for a long time, no one ever invited me into the game, ever. They invited other people all around me. People that came after I came, got invited into the game before I came. It's very frustrating. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what does that have to do with church? Here's what it has to do with church. We're going to talk about church, but we're not just going to talk about it and then not let you play. You get to play. You get to be in the game. And there's a place for you in the game, in what God is doing, and it's exciting and it's meaningful and it's eternal and it's fulfilling and it really matters and it's what God is doing in our time. It's something that you were made to be involved in so that's what we're going to talk about here today as we get as we launch kind of into the middle of our series on titus and i know you're going to be so interested that if you didn't hear the other talks you're just going to go back and listen to them online hey this is i'm sorry here's a rabbit trail doug um and dawn his wife dawn doug and dawn did a podcast and it's a really cool podcast because they tell the story of the ministry and how they engage with local churches To reach young people and and so if i'm going to put a link to that podcast like on my facebook because i know you're my facebook friend and so you can look at that this is just kind of a way to get involved in the ministry and not stand on the sidelines right but anyway so you can also listen to our podcast or you can watch videos of what you missed but right now we're jumping into the middle of this titus less than 50 verses describing uh what church should be like the basics of church. And we're in chapter 2, and we've been in chapter 2 for a bit. What I want to do right now is I just want to read chapter 2 again so you have it in your heart. Are you ready? Titus, there are three chapters. This is the second chapter in Titus. But as for you... Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train young women to love their husbands, Let me just read that again. That's my favorite part of this. Like, train young women to love their husbands and and children and uh, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in in your teaching show integrity dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us bond servants there was this uh this kind of slavery in the ancient near east that is societal evil but a reality a systemic evil but a reality paul's going to speak to bond servants he says they are, that through titus he says to titus teach the servants, verse 9 to be submissive to their own masters in everything they are to be well pleasing and not argumentative not pilfering but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of god our savior as far as we're going to get today if we get that far Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, the simplicity of it. And I, and I pray that it would not be lost on us, that we would see, every one of us that's here today, would see not only, you know, how to get in the game, how to be a part of what you're doing in the world today, but that we would, that, that we would, would be stirred to do that, engaged in a way that's meaningful to us, that you gifted us in a way that we could look back over the years and see that you used us in a way that really matters with people that we really love. Help us in this, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> so I'd like to review chapter 1 and chapter 2, chapter 3, here's what goes in Titus. Chapter 1 was about leaders, is how do you kind of, how do you build a godly church in a, in a culture that really isn't godly? You, 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 you assign leaders and you recognize godly leaders, that's the first chunk of Titus chapter 1. And the second chunk is, and you resist ungodly leaders. You rebuke ungodly leaders. You make, so the first chapter of Titus, the little red book of church, is make sure that your leaders are godly leaders, and if they're not, reject them. And then the second thing is interesting, because in chapter 2, it's almost like, um, it's almost like a list of the kinds of people that make up a church and it starts with older women i sorry it starts with older men and then older women and then young women and young men and Titus himself in bond service and that's basically all the people in the church how do you have an impact in a godless culture you have godly people old and young when I was a young youth pastor I worked with a man whose name was Larry Whiteford Larry Whiteford went to be with the Lord last week, and I went to his funeral on Thursday. And my goodness, do I have some sweet memories of Larry Whiteford. He was a guy that would just do things at the last minute sometimes. So we got along really well. I remember one day, he, it was like um, Mother's Day, and he says to me, Brother Pierpont, he would always call me Brother Pierpont. Brother Pierpont, he says, let's give away those flowers to the women. I'm like, okay, how do you want me to do that? He goes, just work it out so it was like sunday morning on mother's day and i had you remember this list it is uh my hall of shame a sunday morning on mother's day i have no preparation there's a bunch of flowers are sitting there i'm like how do you want me to do this he goes you know just work it out oldest mother youngest mother like that's a minefield people i'm just saying so i remember getting up and i go okay Um, We want to give a flower to the oldest mother here today. So, like, if you're a mother and you're 50 and over, stand up. That was not the right way to do that. Let me school you on this. If If you ever get asked to do something like that, start at 100. Start at 100. Okay. No kidding. You know, we have a sister in our church, 104. Right? I go out to call on her, give her communion this week. Uh, she, she and another one of our sisters are there in the same room, right? Uh, Mary Hardy. And I said, Mary, you know, I saw your I saw your grandkids, you know, I saw Lincoln and I saw, um, um, I saw, um, I go like that. And Edith Ryan's is 104. And she goes, it's the president's name. Reagan. That's right. And I saw Reagan. I'm thinking, okay, this is bad. I'm having a 104-year-old lady coach me on memory. That's probably not good, you know i was like shaking my head when i left i learned that you have to be really careful when you're talking about mature women and so i just want to be really careful here actually i'm all done talking about that that's what i talked about last week. And look at me i'm still here you know now uh now we're going to talk about young women actually titus paul says to titus here's what i want you to tell the older women to teach the younger women i think it's kind of interesting he doesn't say you teach the younger women he says tell the older women this is like a seven-point curriculum to encourage young women because you know older men are vital to a church and older women are vital to a church and younger women are vital to a church i mean there wouldn't be any other people if you didn't have younger women especially those that god blesses to be moms and here's what it says in that curriculum the seven things if you will it's kind of interesting Tra- so train the young women To love their husbands. Let me just say that again. Train the young women to love their husbands. Nobody ever laughs. I think that's kind of important. Lois, you're taking notes on this one, aren't you? Like love their husbands. Let me just talk about that for a while. The love their children. I hear that. You ever hear that little voice in your head? It's like my mom saying, Kenny, you're the only one laughing right now. It's it's not funny. All right. Train young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be self-controlled and pure and working at home and kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God would not be blasphemed. I went to Moody Bible Institute. I, I was in my room in Colby Hall one time, and I walked in my room at night, and my roommate, Paul David Heiser, was praying. I mean, he was seriously praying. He was like on his knees, by his bed, just pouring out his heart to God. It was almost like i I felt like i should really probably leave but i couldn't help wanting to hear what it was he was praying about he was just literally pouring his heart out to god and so i just stood and i listened a little bit and paul was on his knees and he literally had a, a sheet in front of him and it was a list of qualities he wanted in a wife and he was pleading with god for a wife that would have those qualities. I was like, wow. If you were a young man here and you ever intend to marry, you might want to get this little list of seven things out and you ought to ask the God of heaven that he would grace your life with a woman like this. This would be a, a woman who, who loves her husband, who, who loves her children. Isn't it is interesting? Just a heart for her husband and her children. And that's not always easy. If any of you have raised children, that can be challenging. I came home from school one day when I was a kid, and I went in the bathroom. My mom was on the phone. Back then, the phone was hooked to the wall. It had a cord. Seriously, you couldn't talk on the phone unless you were, it was hooked to the wall, a little cord. So if my mom was on the phone, I was a free-range chicken for a while. You know, I, mean, I could do <laughs> what I wanted to do. I did. I went in the bathroom. And let's take care of my business. When I got done, I stood. I, I went to stand up. This is going to be more than you want to know, but it never stopped me before, and it's not going to stop me now. I decided to get up off of the toilet, and I and I see that there's a cabinet right there with d- handles. I thought, well, that's handy. I'll just use the c- the handles to pull me up. Hadn't pulled my trousers up yet, and I started to pull myself up, and the cabinet started to fall over on top of me. And I was trying to decide whether I push the cabinet off or pull my trousers up. I decided I'd push the cabinet off of me. So I did. I pushed it up there, and I didn't stand straight up. It, it stayed on the rail. I didn't know. It stayed on the molding a little bit. And then I let go of it, and I went to pull my pants up, and the doors opened up, and it fell over on me. And everything in it started falling on top of me and in the toilet, shoe polish, you know, all kinds of things, linens breaking in the toilet. About that time, my sister Melanie who's irritating heard that I was in trouble, and she whips the door open and just stands there. My pants are still down. She's got the door wide open, and she starts screaming bloody murder, you know, like, Mom, come in here. I'm like, can you give a brother a hand? You know, no. She's screaming like, Mom, Mom, and I'm trying to get the cabinet off of me, and my sister's standing with the door open, and my pants are down, and my mom finally gets off the phone, and she comes over, and she says what I've heard her say hundreds of times, Oh, Kenny, Oh, Kenny, she says. She watches my sermons. She's going to watch this one, and she's going to say the same thing about 5 o'clock tonight. Oh, Kenny. She's going <laughs> to. She went me the other day. Did it three or four times. She's like, Shh, hold it down. Like, I got Mom, I'm 60. You know, really. Like, I get along with that. Yeah, anyway, uh, so being, raising kids, not a particularly easy thing to do. You're going to run into circumstances that are difficult. You're going to have 100 things to take kids to, 100,000 things to pay for. They're going to break your heart. Everything they do good, their dad is going to get credit for. Everything they do bad is your fault. That's just the way it works. That's how we roll, right? Welcome to motherhood. Love your husband is harder than it sounds. And love your children is harder than it sounds. But you don't see Paul and Titus here whining about that. They're saying this, what a good church is made up of women who decide that I'm just going to love that rascal and those kids that we have, I'm going to just love them for the rest of my life. That's what I'm going to do. It's simple, but it's beautiful. It's what makes the world go round, isn't it? Thank God for moms who put up with those men, put up with those kids who love them and take care of them. That's what he says. Tell those, ask the older women to show them informally teaching is the idea. Informally teach the young women also to love their husbands and keep this thing going and then to be self-controlled. In other words, they're not just like a a woman that's a godly woman cannot be governed by her impulses. It's wonderful that she has impulses. It's wonderful that she has feelings. Don't you just thank God that women have feelings, but they're not driven by their feelings. There's something deeper that's going. They're self-controlled and they're pure, you know, in a degenerate, perverse, ugly, impure age there are women who are pure, and these are outstanding women. In Proverbs, in chapter 9, you have, that, the, you, know, you have that interesting literary thing where you have, you know, Dame Folly, remember? Foolishness, and then you have Madam Wisdom, right? And, and, the, and the scriptures say in a literary form, foolishness sends out her young women to do what they do in the world to to lure foolish young men then proverbs written to young men to lure foolish young men and foolish young men that aren't wise young men, they're like distracted by godless girls who aren't pure and they're pulled down in a way and they don't need much help like young men don't need much help in this and they're pulled away from the things of God. But then there's that, the passage says, but wisdom has sent forth her maidens. How beautiful is that? But God has his young women in the world and their beauty, their radiance is spiritual beauty. They're beautiful inside and out and they're pure. And there's something very powerful about that. Church needs young women who are pure to show this impure age what that looks like. Have the older women to teach the young women, even though it just seems like impure girls get so much more attention to be pure. And then it says, and, and by the way, just a just thing about beauty, you know, who doesn't appreciate beauty? I'm as handsome as I can possibly be right now. I know you're probably thinking, are you serious? That's the best you can do. This is the best. I, I worked at this to be just as, as, as attractive looking as I can possibly be. And it gets harder all the time. And it never was easy. I mean, but we appreciate people taking pains to clip their fingernails or, or, or to wear something that, you know, matches and so forth. I appreciate that. When a woman is beautiful, who doesn't notice that? All of us notice that. Of course, beauty is a thing. It is. It's a thing. But it isn't the most important thing. Three things about beauty I will give you little tips about beauty. Beauty tips from Ken. Here they are. So, no. You're like, oh, I'm going to write this down right now. Yeah. So, no, number one, beauty can be empty. Like the Bible says, beauty is vain. I mean, it can be empty. You ever met somebody that's just handsome, is all get out, and they're, they're like, they're weightless you know they're just they're like a big old handsome muscle-bound fellow who is pretty much worthless other than that you've all met people like that or a woman who outwardly is so attractive she makes you catch your breath but after a while you think and much to her but that beauty beauty is something but it can be empty and 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 or you know vain Uh, Beauty also can be deceitful. The Bible says that. You know, a person can look like this, but then they can be completely different. Beauty can be deceitful. You really aren't beautiful inside. You're just beautiful outside. That's scary. And then who doesn't know this? Beauty is temporary, right? Beauty is temporary. It's fading. And why is that? God, It's a severe mercy. God built it into the fallen world that way so that we would concentrate on the beauty of the, the, the growing beauty of the inner person. The outward man or woman is what? Fading away. But the inward person is being renewed day by day. So every morning when you get up and you see there are more wrinkles in that face that's looking back at you in the mirror, it's a reminder, have your devotions. Brother, have your devotion, sister. Develop the inward person. This is part is that's getting better and better. And it's the part that matters more and more. It, one quick thing, I'm going to keep moving. We were eating. My dad and my mom and I were eating lunch in Jackson years ago, before I lived here, four or five years ago. We met over there by Sergeant Road, and we we're eating lunch. And my dad kept going, "Man, I got a bad haircut." He did his hair was butchered it was he it was not it was not a good haircut at all and he kept saying that like we'd be talking and then he would say man my hair looks terrible and and i well yeah yeah and then i would say but anyway what were you saying dad well yeah yeah and he would say what he was saying then he would say can you believe this haircut you know and after a while i just go dad listen to me i love you i adore you Everybody who knows you adores you and nobody really even cares what your hair looks like. We don't love you because of your hair Which I thought was really funny and again, I was the only one laughing about that But I just thought that's so profoundly true. This is a man. I adore This is a man. I want to be like this is a man. I look up to How he looks is kind of secondary to that. It's not that important. I mean, it's a thing, but it's not that big of a thing and so let's remember that. That's why it says this here, are the young women who we appreciate their beauty, of course we do, but uh but their purity, their inner qualities of character, their self-control, their love for other people, these are the things that make them really powerfully attractive and influential, right? I mean we all know this. And then working at home is the idea, not that home is the only place she works. So, I mean The question often comes up, is is a woman who has children disobedient to God if she works outside the home? Well, A, number one, you'll notice we take your tithe checks here, you know, if you're a girl and you work. Just, you know, that's just a thought right there. You guys are being really quiet. It's like if we were principally opposed to it, we would say only boys can give here, but we don't. Why is that? (laughs) <laughs> why, why is that I was get a kick out of when people are really quiet like you are right now you're like what's he gonna say so it's like why is that because you read the whole Bible read the whole thing when you want to understand a little part of the Bible read the whole thing all right and what you see in the whole Bible is women doing amazing stuff you know like like Aquila and Priscilla who's a girl right like Lydia seller of purple she had a business And she kind of probably funded bankrolled you know the 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 church going over into philippi she had she had a business you know uh um scriptures teach there in proverbs 31 a woman who is like quite it's interesting she's working out of her home she's working out in, in and she but her heart and her she's given her home the idea in this passage is the same idea that's expressed in first timothy and that is it's saying this a young young women in the church train them you know not to be busybodies. train them not to be squandering their time train them not to be being a bad testament specifically going to say that at the end of this where it says that the word of god may not be reviled so this isn't to be taken as a restriction on your ability to do different things in different places but that you if you have a husband and children then your heart is oh that that proverbs 31 lady everything she's doing is contributing to the 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 vital operation of that home. That's the idea. And, and, and so you have their working at home. And then to be submissive to their own husbands. And how important is this? Because who of you doesn't have to submit to stuff? We're all under authority. Like you're going to drive home the speed limit or you're gonna get a reminder that you should have. Am I right? Or, or maybe you'll get away with it, but not for very long, you know. You're gonna stay pretty close to that speed limit or there's gonna be somebody who may or may not be morally superior to you that's gonna give you a ticket that you're gonna to have to pay. And you're under their authority. And everywhere we go in the world, we're under authority. When Jesus Christ, the King of the universe came into this world, he came in under authority. Can you imagine that? Jesus under authority. And so every kid in the world needs to be taught how to respond to God-given authority. And where does he learn that? The best place to learn that is to see that in your mom. Is your mom dumber than your dad? Everybody who has a mom knows that isn't true. Is your mom morally inferior to your dad? Probably not, probably not. But your mom lines herself, is is she inferior in any way before God? Of course not. But she lines herself up in that... Then the program of the family to be his helper that doesn't mean that she's his servant you know to scamper for the remote control when he wants it help means like hey you're making a dumb decision let me help you with this right help means hey you're you're morally weak let me help you with this thank god that we get i thank god the help i that. had i haven't always wanted all the help i got from my helper but it's good thing i got her you you wouldn't be listening to me talk right now I promise you that if it wasn't for her, she was a helper to me. That doesn't mean that she's my personal slave, as cool as that would be. That's not what it means. <laughs> it's not what it means. It, it isn't. But, but here you have a, right in the home an example of a competent, bright person of worth who says, I'm a person under authority too. Well, just want, None of us are going to get through life very well if we don't understand The principle of authority that's throughout all the bible for men and for women that jesus himself put himself under authority even though he was the king of the universe and then the bible says this that the word of god will not be blasphemed that the word of god may not be blasphemed i just want to say one more thing before i move away from this idea you know hats off to moms my my wife's mother um was in, a, was in a very difficult marriage to an, a man who was enslaved to alcohol. And, and she was in the mountains of Kentucky and she did not have running water. And there was that little church across the creek and my mother-in-law decided she was gonna have her four kids in Sunday school. And dad didn't help at all. He didn't go. He only caused trouble for the family. And if you don't have running water, but you, you live in the mountains of Kentucky, you have your pride those kids are not going to—I've seen pictures of this. They're not going to go to church unless they're dressed for church. That's the way it was back then and there. So they're all dressed up. But to get there, they all had to bathe in the same washtub. Rinse their mouth out with a Listerine, spit it back into the washtub. You know, I, I t- probably told you the time one time, Lois' older brother got to jostle with her and bumped her into the washtub. She got baptized that day but didn't get to go to church. I just want to say to my mother-in-law— Thank you for wanting your little girl to be in church and doing what you had to do to get her there and never complaining about it. Ladies, can I just say to you, you know, thank you so much for making us better men, for loving us when we don't deserve it and we're selfish, for giving yourself to kind of go through the jaws of death to bring life into the world, for giving up all those things that you could have, well, let, you, let me just read it to you from my book because you didn't read my book. You don't love me. Um, so, so I was going to leave this out, but I guess I'm just going to read it. I wrote about this because I was thinking about it one day. So just, I guess this is like, I was going to say before we move on, I'll say in conclusion. So her children rise up and call her blessed. She dreamed of you from the time she was a little girl cradling a baby doll in her arms. She always saw you playing around the little cottage in her childhood dreams. She carried you in her body and you made her sick every morning for weeks and weeks. She bore you into the world through intense pain, but when she heard you cry and when she saw your little wrinkled red face, she forgot all about that and she just wept tears of joy. She fed you at her breast and her whole world revolved around you she stole into your room at night just to watch you sleep she was sure you were the most beautiful child on the face of the earth she sat up through the night to bathe away the fever and at breakfast your dad said did you sleep well honey Oblivious that she'd had an all-night vigil. She somehow always knew when you needed her, even in the middle of the night. And she came to your room, and she changed your bedding, and she made sure that you were warm and you were dry. And she covered your ears, and she gave you your coat, and she checked your homework, and she made you practice the piano, and she fat, sat through your ball games and recitals like they were the seventh game of the World Series or a debut at Carnegie Hall. And she urged you to brush your teeth with words of wisdom like be true to your teeth or they'll be false to you. And she changed your diapers. And she cleaned you up when you were sick, and she washed underwear no one else would touch without a chemical suit. And who do you think always cleaned that gunk out of the kitchen sink and the bathtub drain? That was her. She made sure you had the drumstick and your dad had the breast, and she acted like she preferred chicken wings. Her oatmeal cookies made you forget the beating you took from the neighborhood bully or the slow rate of greeting card sales. She listened to you. And she didn't laugh at you when others would have mocked you. And she believed in you when you didn't believe in yourself. And she prayed for you when you didn't even think you needed prayer. And She made you think you could do things that you were sure you couldn't do. And she was tough enough to call your bluff and discipline you and give you a sense of boundaries and the security that comes with it. And she spanked you when you needed it. Even when it was the popular psychology and self-proclaimed talk show experts advised timeouts. She didn't know about timeouts. She knew when you needed a spanking or just a nap and she didn't always give you candy even though she longed to indulge you. And she was always waiting when you came in late and then when you complained about it, she pretended she was asleep the way you always did when you wanted her to carry you in from the car after a long trip and you were small. And she read the Bible to you and she read the Bible in front of you and she did what mothers have to do to make sure the family is faithful in church She made your dad a much better man than he ever would have been without her, probably covered for some of his failures, didn't she? And she mended clothes as a labor of love, and it broke her heart to see how quickly you grew out of them. And she knew that you were only loaned to her from God, and soon the house would fall silent again. And she washed mountains of dishes and truckloads of laundry, and she put up food in the hottest summer days, and she didn't complain. And her most sincere prayers were the ones she sent heavenward in gratitude for you and she filled your home with fragrance and beauty and music and the smell of her perfume and fresh cut flowers and bacon come on now bacon for breakfast and sunday roast her eyes were bright and happy and full of life and she wept though and she wept and worried a thousand times for you times when you never knew and she rose up early on holidays so that you could enjoy a festive meal and an enduring memory And she planned for days and worked for hours so that in a few minutes you could gulp it down and then go watch football and you didn't always thank her and you didn't always help her with the dishes but those meals they've been a cherished memory for years and she baked you special treats just to watch you eat them and something inside made her happier the more you ate And she wore old dresses so that you could have a new ball glove and she skipped vacations and second honeymoons and so you could go to camp and she limited expenses for her hobbies so that you could, so that she could get you a band instrument. She was happy with last year's fashion so you could have this year's tennis shoes. And she didn't abandon the family when your dad was insensitive to her needs and she took the blame for your failures and stood back and let your dad have the glory for your successes And having done all these things and a 1,000 others that make mother a sacred word, she felt like she never was the mother she should have been. Here's what Paul's telling Titus. The world goes on and the church goes on if young moms do what young moms do. So have the older women train and teach and be an example to the younger women about what, you know, it takes to make the world go around and what it takes for the church to work. Church is God's idea. And it, and it has to have older men and older women, younger women and, and younger men and long messages like this one. Let's pray together. And Lord, how we thank you. Your ways are simple and right and beautiful and organic and they, they work. Fellows, I pray with a desire to be people who follow you. We realize in our, in our own hearts, Lord, that without you, we're, we're going to go to hell. We're going to have the judgment we deserve because of our sin. We're going to be separated from you. But because, Lord, you, you sent your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins if we believe that we can have eternal life and then you can make of us people that won't bring reproach upon yourself in the world. And so, even today, as we're dismissed, I pray that you would put within our hearts a desire to to grow in faith and to be the kind of older men or older women or younger women, younger men that make up a church that makes a godly difference in an ungodly world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you go today, we want to invite to the front people that are willing to pray with you. We have some teams of prayers and I ask them to come uh, to the front. Now stand up while they come just for a moment before I dismiss you. And you might have in your heart, you know, a burden for somebody or maybe you have a need for further counsel or something, you know, may have been a difficult some of our people have been through a really difficult week, and maybe it's been a really terribly hard, difficult week for you today. i just like for somebody to pray with you, and that's why these are here to pray with you. So you can f- feel free to be dismissed in a moment and go out and have some fellowship with others, uh, or you may want to come here and have some counsel or prayer, uh, or maybe for you, it you work better for you, you know, might personal phone number, our pastors and so forth. Our, our numbers, are, our personal numbers are listed in the bulletin, our personal cell phones. That's because we love you and we want to help you. And we have elders that are, and elders wives are the same way. That's why we're here. So if we can help you, we can encourage you, if we can pray with you, uh, if we can refer you maybe to somebody else that if you need some professional help of some kind, then just give us a call and we'll talk to you about that. Bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for coming.